Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. All right, people, welcome back. We are live from Full Service Radio at the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan in D.C., and if this is your first time here, you are now listening to the All the Fly Kids show, where the cool, calm, and connected talk straight, no chaser. I am your host, Geronimo Knows, urban culture and lifestyle enthusiast, reform blogger turned full-time interviewer. And as always, even when not always, I got co- co-host, super engineer, backpack You know my Matt. presence is felt regardless. <laughs> backpack man. Oh, man. All right, so Matt, tell people where they can find us. Uh, you can find us on wherever podcasts are heard, pretty much. So that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know, whatever platform, whatever phone that you're using, make sure that you tune in to All The Fly Kids. You, you can definitely hear us on yes. your phone. Yes, but not just listen. If you really do enjoy the content, if you really do support us and what we're trying to do and what we're building, then make sure you rate, you comment, and you subscribe, right? And just generally spread the message, man. We just need as many people to hear this as possible who you feel will benefit from these type of conversations that we're having. Absolutely. And if you got time to kill, you're sitting at your desk, you're at home, you know, your day off, you're walking the streets, you can also just hear us live um, every Monday at 1 p.m. on fullserviceradio.org. Um, real quick, too, I, I got to give the episode name before we even introduce our guest. But um, it's episode 65. Uh, 65, and this is the right and wrong episode. Right spelled W-R-I-T-E. And if you are a Devin the Dude fan, you mm. are familiar with that record. Lackville 79. <laughs> um, so look that up if you're not familiar. But um, real quick, before we get into introducing our guest, um, if you haven't caught an episode of our Travel and Lifestyle web series, Cool, Calm, Connected, make sure that you head over to allthefliekids.com to see the first two episodes. And new episodes will premiere for the next few Wednesdays. So it's another one coming out this Wednesday, episode three. So subscribe to our YouTube page, catch new episodes, and see any of the, also, the, the ill content that we got in general. You know, I had our super videographer, Ryan Gordon, I dragged him around the city all this summer. Right. Um, we got some we got some dope episodes coming, so just make sure talk, y'all tune in. Talk about episode one. You know what's already out. So episode one, um, we were at Marvin. Uh, many of y'all know it as the rooftop spot. Um, Monday oh. nights at Marvin, the main ingredient, and pretty much any night of the week, any day of the week, you can get some uh, some hear some good tunes. They just reopened the uh, the first floor. Um, they're now doing uh, you know live jazz performances and things like that. Right. You got that whole you know live music vibe going on downstairs. But it's a mainstay in, in DC. Past ten years, it's, I remember when they first opened. I was there. It's wherever you take your college buddies who come in town who always hear about where to go out you always take them to marvin's because that's you know that's a sure bet it's a sure bet and you know you can also find the cool kids there exactly. <laughs> Shout out um, to Marvin. but uh also episode two uh we did that episode at turning natural which is a, du- a juice bar um based in dc and in pg county they just opened up two more locations one at the shea and one at the uh, national harbor 
uh, in Maryland. So um, look them up. One of the one of the, man, my favorite juice bar. Forget forget one of the best. My favorite juice bar in D.C. Um, wonderful owner Jerry Evans, uh, D.C. native of Anacostia. So uh, make sure y'all check out both of those episodes. And if you're in town, hit up both of those spots. Um, episode three. I'm not gonna tell you what that's about. You'll see this Wednesday. Just make sure y'all subscribe. If you support us, I need to see those YouTube links on Twitter. Yes. I need to see that posted. I need to see that shared. <laughs> absolutely man okay. so it's still national women's history month which Amen. means all month on the show we're going to be talking to all women all of whom are very amazing absolutely the dopest of the dopest man i mean we don't have enough weeks in the month like i hit them up today like do we have a, is everything for march planned out because i have more women that just pop up in my head like yo we need to interview her so maybe we should extend this you know what i'm saying or whenever we i mean we that's that's something that's something to consider we, we interview a lot of women as it is yes right? we, we do a good a job of that, that you know because we are not trash but we could really go <laughs> honestly no gas i feel like we could go a solid three four months of just interviewing women and getting really dope ass content i was about to ask jack if we could just go daily for the month i don't know if that's feasible <laughs> yeah awesome uh it's the real type style I, hey man yeah. i got time I don't know if y'all got time, but I got time today, tomorrow, day after, and the day after that. All right. All right. To all our right. guest. Okay. Let me get into my spiel. All right. <laughs> Black excellence. What is it? Much respect to Jay-Z, but it's not always opulence and decadence. Most of the time, it's underappreciated. You know, those who sacrifice the aforementioned niceties to spread value to their communities through information. You know, that's black excellence. We're nearly 20 years into the age of information. While this has been called the democratization of voice, it comes with drawbacks. Fake news is at an all-time high. We hear about it all the time. But we must not endorse the weaponization of voice, but rather celebrate those who spread information with love, integrity, and honesty. Christina Sturdivant Sani, did I say that correct? Sturdivant Sani, yes. Sturdivant Sani is a native Washingtonian, Ward 7, did I get that right? Yep, yes sir. Okay, and longtime writer and champion for the city, and that's a fact. She has covered nearly every topical category on damn near every media platform in D.C. You can find her freelance work on the Afro, City Lab, ARL Now, Elevation D.C., and many, many others. And she was also a contributing staff writer for DCS as well. So please welcome to the show, Ms. Christina Vant, Christina <laughs> Sturdy Vansani. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Glad you could come. Yep. Glad to have you. We're glad to have everybody. Yeah, I haven't seen you in years. I know, right? You've been ducking me. Yeah, I know. My bad, man. I'd had to build myself up. And now that I'm here, I think it's, it's right that I bring my people back in. So. Thank you. So yeah. how, how long have y'all known each other? We go back to like 2014. I met her at uh, Busboys and Poets. Yeah. There was a monthly uh, uh, event called Capital Innovation Lab mm -hmm. or something like that. Social Innovation. Social Innovation yeah. Labs where, you know, people would, you know, drink and eat, but also kind of work in groups to kind of do workshop style solving of issues uh that are you know socially important to dc like redlining and gentrification mass incarceration so you know that was that space so it was dope to meet her she was in our we were in the same group together and you know she was writing i was trying to get into the podcast game and so we just support each other ever since and shout out to ham um her husband you know he's super dope individual creative in dc as well i know you're listening shout out to you ham good to see you or i need to see you so yeah but um, speaking of DCS, right, you were at DCS for a while, and just recent news, it's been brought back, right? WAMU has purchased that, yep. that platform. Shout out to uh, Good Public Radio Samaritans. So um, just talk about, like, what importance does that have? Like, what, why is DCS as a platform so important to the city, in your opinion, as you as a previous staff writer? 
I feel like DC is is different. It kind of when you think about like all the flat kids, like when I first heard about DC is I didn't think I was cool enough to write for them. That was like a decade ago. And I had to work myself up to it because it's not a typical media outlet. It's kind of quirky, kind of sarcastic, but also informative. You you read about stories that you normally wouldn't read about, um, neighborhoods you wouldn't normally read about, um, random events, food, fashion, but also news and politics. So I think DC has always did a good job of catering to kind of a younger millennial um, audience, you know, in a, in a fun way. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, she's a writer. She, I won't name the, the outlets that she writes for, but she seems constricted sometimes by, you know, some of the work that she puts in. She puts a lot of creativity, tries to add some storyline in it, but sometimes they take all that out mm-hmm. and they kind of strip it down to its bare elements. It's kind of good to hear that a platform like DC is kind of embraces you know, the quirky or something that's a little bit different from the norm. Like, do you have to deal with that with certain platforms that you work with? Like all the creativity and some of the things that you felt were really dope or really pivotal moments in your writing that they just take out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes if it's a straight news story, I have to write it straight. But the good thing about DC is is it was a blog. So, you know, you can have that kind of flair to it. But give you more freedom. yeah, Yeah, a lot more freedom. I've written for... Like, I was updating my resume recently. I think I Talk had, like, that. Go down the list right Like, now. 13 publications, like, on my resume over the past six years. All and right. so, that's, like, 13 different editors. So, just imagine, like, having 13 bosses, like, over a period of time and having to figure out, like, what they want and based on and what you want and what works for each publication and all of that. Each publication is different. Each editor is different. And you just have to... Well, if you're freelancing, you have to just... Right. Work around that. And, with, and even with freelancing... um what's the difficulties that you've experienced just you know bouncing back between all these different outlets you know with each of them one being some being more conservative than others some just you know focused on one specific topic others talking about like you know local unbiased honest reporting that type of stuff you know what's what are the challenges that you experience with that I think I'm adaptable, so that that works well for me. Um, When I first started freelancing about six years ago, I was just grinding, so I was writing about things I I didn't care about, I didn't know about it, Um, like theater. I wasn't into like art or theater or anything at all, but they were like, write this review, and I was like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do anything, and I just kept writing and writing and learning about whatever I could, and so now I'm at a point where I can kind of pick and choose what I want to write about, and I don't have to write about everything, and I don't have to cheaping myself Mm -hmm. um and so i'm at a good place right now in my freelance career but in the beginning you just got to write about whatever they want you to write about until you build a reputation uh, for yourself okay so let's backtrack a little bit you are a graduate of hampton university right you went to hampton university for journalism i went to hampton university for three years i didn't finish though shout out to you for going to hampton university thank you so um, so, but you went to school for mm-hmm. for journalism, for print journalism, right? yeah. So this was in your mind from the start. It was. So, so when you got out of school, did you move straight into freelance, or what? What is usually the jump from academia into like the you know written kind of industry? Right. I feel like since I didn't finish school, my path was really untraditional. Um, I had I have a ten year old son, Monty. Well, he's about to Shout be ten, to April first. Shout out to Monty. He actually wrote a blog post for DCS. Wow. Um, yeah, when he was eight. And so 
Just making me feel like the achiever. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to him about it the other day, and I was like, Monty, you're a writer. And he was like, no, I'm not. I'm like, Monty, you got paid $100 for your first article. What? I got paid $15 for my what? first article, and I was like 20-something years old. So you're good to go. But um, I had Monty my senior year, so I came back home to D.C., mm. and then I was volunteering for this nonprofit called Street Sense. I don't know if you of guys course. know. Yeah, yeah they yeah. hand out Everybody the papers. Knows yeah, so my friend told me he knew I wanted to be in print journalism. So he said, Why don't you volunteer for Street Sense? And I did, but I gravitated to the nonprofit side of it, not yeah. the writing side of it. And so I wanted to start my own nonprofit. So I ended up starting um, a mentorship program that mentored teen moms in the DC area. So we mentored about 25, 50 moms like over the course of three years or so. So I wasn't doing writing at all when I first got out of college. I was running this nonprofit and I thought I was gonna be executive director of this nonprofit for the rest of my life. Um, but then I started writing again just on the side and I remember how much I loved it. And mm -hmm. so I came to a point where I had so many writing gigs that I had to choose whether I wanted to be a writer or whether I wanted to be um, executive director of a nonprofit and I chose writing. And then that's when like I was grinding and like writing for all these publications at one time. So. And about how long did it take you before you were at a place as a writer, as a freelance writer, like, okay, I can support myself? <laughs> I think maybe about... Because writing, writing is difficult in terms of just, you know, getting paid and being able to make a living from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe about a year and a half okay. or so. That's not that bad. Yeah. I know people have been writing way longer than that, and then they, it, it took them years, like f maybe five plus before they hit it, you yeah. know? I was writing a lot. Like, I have this really intense Excel, like, Google Doc where I had, like, 25 articles a month and everything was just, like, mapped out. You have to be really, really um, strategic mm -hmm. about it. And you have to be really, really organized about it. But, yeah, I, probably about a year and a half I was stable. And then another year and a half I was writing more. And then after about three years, that's when I got DCS full-time because okay. I was freelancing for them. And then they had an opening. And then I applied and I got it. And I was there for two years. Okay. So, uh I have a question. Like, I'm always really interested in tools of the trade, like, as especially as a creator. Mm -hmm. Like, besides, all right, so what platforms, what tools, what software do you use in your arsenal to get your work done? Like, what, is, what are your go-to things so that your, you know, how you perform as a writer is, like, optimized to what you need? I mean, very technically, like... It, it doesn't have to be super technical. <laughs> it could be Microsoft Word. It could be, you know, whatever. So... I love Google Docs mm -hmm. a lot. So the Excel sheet is how I keep track of all of my money and how I keep track of all of my articles, what's due, what's going to be due, all that type of stuff. Um, I have to transcribe a lot, which is probably the most annoying part of like the whole job. So oh, I have man. this um, this <laughs> application yeah, called Inkscribe, and it helps me transcribe. Um, yeah, but pretty much those two things. And then I use this R RSS feed. When I started at DC, so I have about 50 news publications that I try to read just every day to see what's going on in the world. So mm -hmm. it's segmented into like black news and DC news and DC data and like national news. And I try to like browse through all that every day right. just to keep up to date on what's happening. Right. You, 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 you know what? She basically gave the secret sauce. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times you, have, you hear about writers and all they want to do, just they just want to write. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to do the administrative business part absolutely and i think that's why you were able to shorten your sustainability gap in a way that many other people who are freelance writers for, and write for different publications or whatever it takes them longer because you did all of that stuff yeah. you know what i mean you, you you seem to be very uh what's that 
right brain. Yeah, it's like yeah. a business. Like I'm, I'm basically my own boss, and I'm a business. So okay. you got to look at it that way. Okay. That's that's. I just had to give it a pause because that was a boss statement that you just said. So that was dope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, I think like like athletes or you know basketball players, the best ones are in the gym shooting all the time. Like it's throughput. It's how much you're putting out. It's the reps. Like you say, you're putting in 25 articles a month at, yeah. work, at certain points. You yeah. know what I mean? And then also like doing your homework. So you were just reading and surveying what else was out there. And not just kind of focusing on your own world of just producing. I do more of that now. When I first started, I was only focused on myself. But then I realized I couldn't get better unless I read other publications. So I'm like just starting to do that, which has been really helpful for me. Word. Word. Work, working with some of these publications, um, especially the ones that just are hyper local. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a DCist or a... Uh, um, Af- well, Afro's not, not really... Well, not, when I not, write about the Afro, I do write about only DC. Okay. Right. And okay. then I wrote for East of the River Magazine, which is only like War 7 and 8. Right, and right, right. Um, East City the Art, East which City is like Art. the East Side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But compared to many other, say, journalists that are, you know, DC natives or whatnot, you know, you're, you're one of the few that I know that just... For the most part, you're writing about DC shit. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. So why does why the decision to just you know keep your writing just hyper local versus you know I'm going to write for this this outlet, this major national outlet, or that major national outlet, or what have you? Well, early on when I first started, I did write for HBCU Digest and I wrote for Diverse Education Magazine, and both of those are like national education publications. But mm-hmm. then you know I went to an HBCU, so I kind of connected with it that way, and also I was grinding, so like I knew an editor there, mm-hmm. and so I just started writing for them because I had you know a connection there. But and then. Um, even with City Lab, which is a national publication, my first article for them was DC based. I just I'm born and raised like diehard DC. I live in Alexandria, Virginia now, and like <laughs> nobody could believe that I was going to Alexandria, and I kind of like it. So that you know, seems to be the new cool. wave, though. I right. mean, it, it it to a degree it is, but you know, people are still a little. You know, I know the the DC people I know that have moved. Let me say this: DC natives I know that have moved to Virginia. They're a little hesitant saying like, oh, I, I live in Virginia now. You live in VA. Yeah. Because, you, yeah. you know, back in the day, it's just like mm-hmm. VA was its own thing. So right. if anything, you moved out of Maryland. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I would never live in Maryland ever. Um, but I live in Old Town, Alexandria, which I feel like is unique. <laughs> part of Alexandria. Hey, they got stuff. I was just over there yesterday at the yeah. Trader Joe's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, I'm so... I grew up in D.C. I went to D.C. public schools, charter schools, like, all of that. So, it's really personal for me why I write about D.C. and why I'm not anxious to write about a national publication, even though, like, I can and I have, but I just love writing about where I'm coming from because D.C. has changed so much and just to grow up and remember, like, this used to be that and this used to be that and be able to write about it mm-hmm. and the disparities between the East of the River versus West of the River and, like, what I never had when I was growing up versus yeah. you know what's coming and who's going out all that stuff just to be able to investigate my environment where I lived is just really really special for is, me. Is that a struggle for you being a DC native who now is at a point in your life where you're not the you're not the, 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 the I guess the demographic that, that people talk about when they talk about DC natives who can't keep up with gentrification or can't keep up with all the development that's happening you know you're not you're not poor you're not undereducated all these different things you know what I mean do you is, has that been a challenge for you just internally to see I can I have access I can access all the stuff that's happening now mm-hmm. whereas people I grew up with that I went to school with their families a lot of them cannot yeah it's, it's tricky it's like um I love coffee shops like I keep a coffee shop diary but you know 
coffee shops, gentrification, yoga studios, <laughs> gentrification, like all that stuff. So it's like, how do we have these things that we want without displacing, you know, our our neighbors? So internally, yeah, it's a it's a struggle to write about like this new pop up bar when it could be covered somewhere, you know, yeah. in War Seven and like kicking people out. So absolutely. Yeah. So that since you talked about coffee bars. Um, that brings up my next question like what is your regiment like in order to like knock out work before a big deadline <laughs> like what do you do like the what coffee shops do you prefer prefer is there music that you listen to or do you wake up super early or do you wait till like really late in the evening so i always have this ambitious goal of you know they give me a deadline i'm like no my deadline is a week before but somehow i'm work- like before this, I was working up to the I last minute. I wasn't going to say anything, yo, but yeah. I admit it. Like, I wanted to turn this article in, you know, days ago. But for some reason, I don't know. I just, late, especially lately, I've been, like, psyching myself out. You know, I'm just trying to overcome and, like, reframe things. Like, I can't do it. Like, I'm getting all of these opportunities that I never thought I would get. So mm-hmm. just telling myself that I'm good enough. And so sometimes, recently, I'll spend, like, hours and days just, like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. And then the deadline is there, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I have to do it. So, you know, I'm working hard toward it. But um, as far as the environment, I can't listen to music at all. It Mm -hmm. has to be really quiet for me. Mm -hmm. So I know which coffee shop to go to to do what. And um, I just got a co-working membership because at DCS we used to work at, we work at Wonder Bread Factory. And so I like the co-working space. So I found a co-working space in Alexandria close to home that was affordable. So, yeah, I just need to zone out. The environment has to be really quiet, mm-hmm. and I just get to it, try to get in the zone. But, you, you know, you say you wait to the last minute sometimes, right? But is it kind of like how rappers, they might not, you know, have the verse fully crafted or written down in advance, but they have, like, the bars in their heads sitting. So yeah, you're constantly yeah. kind of, like, structuring it in your head so that it's time to go. Yeah, I am. You're right. I haven't thought of it that way, but that, that helps me. Yeah, It yeah. makes me feel better, yeah, because I do. I do have it mapped out of my head. I just have to put it on paper, and it takes a while for me to put it on paper and stop psyching myself out. Well, Matt says that you, um, you're you not a big fan of medium. And and he, he also says that I'm a writer and I say I'm just a member of the media that sometimes I share my thoughts through words. No, this dude oh. has I be scrolling. With I used stuff. to say I wasn't a writer for a long time. I think you just No, I'm really not a writer. Man, you're you're no, 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 you're really a writer. My man uses subheaders, <laughs> photos. You're a writer. On. He's a writer. Thank you. Writer. Man, I the okay. I, I pu- and he has I, really good content. I published something the other day talking about just you know how the evolution of uh, DC fashion, uh-huh. and I surveyed some people, and it was a follow up to something that I also posted on Medium five years ago. Um, so you've been writing for more than five years. On, Why are you not? No, 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 no. I'm I'm just too intermittent. So like even before I published this thing the other day, I hadn't written anything since last July. Okay. So I'm just. It, 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 it's not my, my, my life's work. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, sometimes like I got something to say, but I, I need to put it in, in words and writing. So I'm going to do that, you right. know. So I'm not I'm not a writer. I can write when I feel like it. But <laughs> yeah. but nonetheless, he was saying, you know, you're not you're, you medium isn't a, isn't an outlet that you prefer to use. It's not. I mean, okay. I have a friend who wrote a post on medium, but I don't know exactly how it works. And okay. Do they pay you? Cause well, so okay, I'm all about getting paid. So, right now. so oh, this is the thing. So you can get paid, but I think you have to write an obscene amount of stuff for Medium, and of course the the, con- the quality of the content has to be there, of course. But right. um, you have to write a lot. You know, um, our guy Marcus Dowling, he's one of the paid uh, journalism members of Medium now, but 
he's been writing on medium since the thing came out okay. you know Shout out to Marcus, and yeah. he writes other he writes for other publications he's also a freelance writer dc based um also from ward seven. Oh, i should meet him yes you should. yeah i'm yeah. surprised yeah. you all don't know each other so yeah yeah right off of, um where's he all from uh around not too far from Carl street i believe he's from that from over on that side in deanwood oh deanwood yeah, yeah okay yeah i went to uh, middle school in deanwood okay so but now he so he gets paid but like i said i think you just have to put in that much work as well as be in other places right you know so it's not a bad place it's, it's one of my go-to's because it's like you can just find all types of, of of writing from different people on different topics okay you know yeah i had one friend who wrote about mental health and it was really good but that's that's pretty much all i know about okay. me so what so what are your preferred so you talked about you got 50 different mm-hmm. outlets that you read every day right i browse okay well you day. browse what where are, what are a few of them um for I don't know why food was the first thing. I didn't have breakfast today. <laughs> so um, for food, I read probably like Washington City Paper, their food column, um, Washingtonian Magazine, their food column. For news, I always read uh, Washington Post Local. In the mornings, I try to watch Fox 5 News because I think that's like the only local That's TV the only one that doesn't, that doesn't switch over yeah, after it's a, a certain national. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never mind, I'm not going to say half. I mean, it's not the best reporting, but it's like all we have, so... That's what I watch. Um, I actually TV. agree with that, and I'm yeah. really glad that you said that because I was thinking that again as I was watching this one. I'm just like, this is like bored. But all the Fox affiliates are like that in every city. Oh, are they? It's it's just like, eh, eh, it's this is it's this, too casual or something. I don't know. It's, it's borderline uh, ratchet. It is. It is. <laughs> but you know, you get it where you can. So I watch them uh-huh. in the morning, and then Washington Post, obviously, and. Like no local newspaper. Like I used to write for Easter River magazine, mm. so I'll, I'll read those. Um, what else? Uh, under my black columns, like Blavity, The Root, The Griot, Huffington Post, right. like Black, black Voices, Voices section. Okay. Yeah, all those. A lot of people talk. A lot of people ain't feeling a uh, Blavity uh, these days. The oh, really? Blavity blacks. Change? That's the that's yeah, the term. Bla- the blavity point. blacks and just how <laughs> Blavity just state it's. You know what? I say this sometimes. Blavity sometimes black. Blavity does some like Huffington Post type of clickbait stuff. I'm just like, really, really, Blavity. This is what you. This is news. I actually saw a job there. Like when DC is first shut down, and I was like hungry to figure out what I was gonna do with my life. <laughs> I saw a post there, and something just told me don't apply for it. And I was like, I know I could do it based on my resume, based on everything, but. I also don't want to write about black stuff every single day yeah. at the same like I love my people but I also want some diversity so I didn't want to write for them full time. Right, right. Okay. Well I mean that's that's a that's a good a good variety of, of outlets for sure. You know what I mean? We touched on um writing about gentrification in coffee shops. But another topic that's been brought up is like, you know, the redevelopment of the Saint East, uh Saint Elizabeth yeah, Saint space, Elizabeth. right? Um, and then also, you know, the, the Capital City Go-Go, which is the development team that's being, you know, going to be housed there and playing there. I didn't know right. about that. Sorry. Hey, I'm yeah, not Capital, up to date on The there. Capital City Go-Go's. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to be yeah, playing the practice Congos facility. They on the that. logo and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So just in terms of like, you know, gentrification, especially in Ward 7 and 8, I mean, you're on the ground with that. You mm-hmm. know, you've written several pieces on like the whitewashing and even yeah. entrepreneurship in the space. So what are you seeing firsthand? like in terms of that development outside of just being in the coffee shops? I'll say I went to one, um, I think Mayor Bowser was doing like a groundbreaking or something a year or two ago Mm -hmm. at St. Elizabeth and I went to cover it. And it was just all these protesters in the middle of it, like talking about gentrification and Berry Farms and all this stuff. And my heart just kind of like went out to them because it was like hard to see. And then Bowser had like all these um, 
just like men who worked for her. Some of them were, I don't know, whatever. They weren't council people, but they were some type of people. But they were like holding the women back. And it was really, really intense. Yeah. And I just felt really bad. I think uh, the woman, the main woman was from Empower DC, which does a lot of work around mm-hmm. um, gentrification and all yeah, that stuff. So just like seeing it up close and personal, like the fight between the administration and the people is, is really tough. But at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing about Anacostia in Ward 8. Um, so no. I'm glad Congress Heights is, you know, getting something. And mm. I know a few people who are working kind of on the ground in Congress Heights. And um, I think they're really intentional about making it, you know, home gra- homegrown, like on the ground versus Anacostia seems like it's going toward being more whitewashed. Even though at, at the Art Center, you know, they have like Nubian and like all those like cool spots and stuff. But also referencing Congress Heights, you know, they got the Congress Heights Arts and Culture Center. Yeah, you really. Know, big nice. shout out to Kiana Jones, Lindsay. We got an episode of that on Cool Calm Connected as well. So stay tuned for that. I want to write about that place. <laughs> I went there for the first time um, a couple of weeks ago. It was amazing. Yeah. So um, talking about talking to you years ago, you had this. One of the things that you really wanted to see in Ward 7 and 8 were like more creative spaces, you know, for yeah. the youth and, you know, older people in the community to, you know, thrive. Like, do you feel like there's progression in that and ultimately or what gaps still need to be filled in that regard? I would say that I have heard of plans mm-hmm. that like I don't know about, that we don't know about, that people who are living in the community don't know about. But there are plans for Ward 7 and Ward 8, and I have to do some more investigating around that because I, don't, I think things are happening, things are going to happen, but I don't know who it's going to serve, um, which is worrisome. But I want to look into that more because there's nothing that I know that's popping up right now that's really serving the people. Yeah. So. Well, I would say the, 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 the needs of, of people who, you know, may come off as the most economically disadvantaged they're just they're just really unique and and so it's like there's no one right answer and if right. you don't have the 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 proper support from government even even private industry yeah. you know it's just easy to just say oh well just do this you know go sign up for this job training thing but it's just like uh, come, right. what what else there might be there might be some some trauma there within mental health you know and that you need yeah. to address that before yeah, somebody you need can, holistic support yeah, you exactly. just don't need just jobs or you know just education you need all of it mental health everything has to be wrapped up into one absolutely absolutely well I, speaking of um just city development um I read your article for City Lab about the uh, the dockless bike share, which uh-huh, yeah. I am a huge proponent of because when I first saw them, I was like, thank you, because I did not want to get on. I never did the, the capital bike, bike share because the bikes look slow and big and they heavy. Are. And I was just like, nah, I got if I'm on a bike, I need to be out like I'm on a fixed gear. Yeah. So um, when I, I I forgot which company's bike I used first, but I've used pretty much all of them. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, even just coming over here today, I saw that Lime Bike now has uh, Razor scooters. Oh, nice! Yeah, got, I heard about that. I, I, Bring back the Razor. Yeah, they got a Razor scooter. Um, I mean, it's it doesn't quite look like that, but it's a scooter. And I was have like, you used it? I'm not getting on a uh, scooter. What <laughs> have you have you done? Spin the electric bike? I haven't. Not, that's 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 here. the one I haven't yeah, done. Yeah, you should do spin. I haven't done spin, but I'm not getting on a scooter because I'm. And I'm <laughs> I'm accident prone, so I mess around and yeah. I, but but but, <laughs> but Capital City Bike Share is also more expensive, right? And absolutely. Just the you talk about the displacement or the placement of the bikes mm-hmm. racks. From, yeah. Uh, you know, Capital City Bike Share. You said 32 of Capital uh, Capital City Bike Shares 
265 stations are in D.C. sitting in wards 7 and 8. So 32 out of 265 are in those two wards. So very limited. Yeah, that's a limitation around capital bike share because it relies on the stations. If you don't have a station there, then... You're probably not going to ride because it's not close to your house. It's not where you're going. Dockless bikes, you could park them anywhere, even though, you know, there's a little drama about, like, where are they parking them in the middle of the street and, yeah, like, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, people just so, be dropping them jumps. Yeah, just be <laughs> dropping them all over the place. But it's accessible because it can roam freely throughout the city. So that's a big plus. And it's the, it's the cheapest ticket in town as far as bike sharing goes. You know, up until very recently, uh, I know Capital Bike Share, they used to put that, what was it, like a $100 hold, yeah, hold. On, your, on your card? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the per rate charges per hour or however i think it's two dollars for every 30 minutes now on the dockless bikes except for spin because it's electric are one dollar yeah. for 30 minutes right so one dollar for 30 minutes you can go from where we are adams morgan all the way over if you ride fast enough over to h street you know um i've done it and i mean i've seen these but i've seen one <laughs> on branch avenue on the maryland side across from where crystals is yeah crystal oh, wow. skate yeah and so people be really pumping these bikes all around um but I think I'm happy to see just more black people riding bikes. It's, be- it's a beautiful you know thing what I mean? to see. It's I, I, I'm always happy to see black people just doing some type of physical activity. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that And young people doing it, too. Yeah, they're just you know? out having fun, too. Like, sometimes I don't even know if they're going anywhere. They're, like, work. They're just riding their bike with their friends because they, they can. It's cool. It's, it's cool to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. You also did a released an article with the Afro um, recently called Talking About Mayor Bowsel's um, a fair shot, a toolkit for African American prosperity. This toolkit that she released, which got you know a little bit of backlash, we've already kind of talked about kind of that resistance, but I'm not going to dwell on that, right? So the whole point of it is like the administration releasing toolkits and you know disseminating information through their channels for residents to use. From the research and what you've learned, like what is the engagement on that, and also from your perspective, are the contents in the toolkits and the things that they're producing actually um do they make sense in terms of what the community is actually feeling and what they need i mean that was kind of a a quick story but what i gathered was i don't know how much they added you know i think they just put services that already exist into a pamphlet right (laughs) it's like here you go you know passing it out and it was at like the howard theater like i don't know if they're getting into communities passing them out i just know that there was this big event um in the beginning of black history month and they were like hey we got a pamphlet for black people and you know that was it and then i think a month later they had um like a big fair and i actually sent my husband hamza to it and he said he got i think it was supposed to end at six and he got there at five and people were packing up what? <laughs> like really yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how much engagement is, is really happening right I, now. I was inspired to ask that, not just because I read your article, but uh, Bird from Made in the DMV um, had a, a Twitter thread this week talking about all the resources and opportunities that are available mm-hmm. for, you know, residents of D.C., whether yeah. it be, you know, training to become a security guard mm-hmm. or, or subsidizing getting your barber's license. Right. Or you name it. But it's so many people who either don't know that it's out there yeah. or, you know, they're not going after it. Are you kind of seeing the same thing on the ground level? Yeah, like, I mean, I think there are resources out there. The pamphlet was stacked with, with things, but I think it's just a matter of, yeah, like you said, connecting to the people. So whether that's um, going directly into 
the communities, just handing out the pamphlets or going to ANC meetings or partnering with local organizations. I'm not sure exactly how they're getting it to the people, but yes, there are resources. And you have like your, I don't want to call them token, but like there was a woman who spoke about um, how she went through one of the programs and she got a house, which was an amazing story, but I don't know about how many people really know about that. Right. So I think we do have the resources and the infrastructure and all that stuff. It's just a matter of getting it out there. Yeah. I spent a few years as a as a consultant and writing proposals for civilian agencies so like education labor hud housing and you know hhs and you know it's there's a disconnect right so even the money that's being funded to these consulting firms to produce the content that will disseminate to the communities there's such a big gap between those companies and Mm -hmm. the people there is there's you know, most of the time there's no relationship. Yeah, yeah. kind of like uh, one of the first articles I wrote about Capital Bike Share was pretty much a, a rant on this blog called Urban Scrawl DC. And it was about how my husband was into, he was my boyfriend at the time, but he was into biking. And so he turned me on to biking and Capital Bike Share. But mm-hmm. every time I hopped on a bike in my neighborhood, people would be like, what is that? What are you doing? How do you use that? So like right. I had to be the spokesperson for Capital Bike Share in my neighborhood. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't just plop these things down and then expect people to know what to do with them because yeah. then they don't or then they feel like it's not for them. So, yeah, they just put these things in the neighborhoods and then just go about their way. Right. And it's not it's, it's a disconnect. Absolutely. Right. Even just like going back to the toolkit. Right. Like these toolkits aren't being produced by the, you know, the municipal or federal government, they're being produced by these middleman firms. Right. right. And really what they want to do is put out the best proposal to get the money in the bag from the, the, the government. And then what they do is they'll staff the lowest, you know, competency possible to maximize that profit, to f- fulfill that mission. Yeah. Right. So it's not like these the content that's being disseminated to the community through the administration is made with love or the best of intents. It's really just to get that money and repeat that contract. So. That's so interesting you said that because I was on a panel um, about a month ago about the future of local journalism in D.C. and apparently some guy was there and he's doing this partnership with the city about affordable housing or something like that and he reached out to me And he said, you know, Christina, I like you. I like that you're, you know, a native and you really care. And, like, that's the type of person that we want on our team because we put together all these proposals by these different people and they just, like, didn't get it. Like, they didn't grasp it. So, like, can you write this for us? And I was like, yeah. And then he told me a dollar amount. And then my husband is always like, you're worth more than that. Like, value yourself. And I'm like, no, like, I need some more money. And then they just kind (laughs) of, like, backed out of it. So I guess it wasn't worth it that I was probably the right one to write about it, but they Mm -hmm. didn't want to spend the money that, you know, I asked for. And then they, they were like, oh, we had a meeting and we went a different way. And I was like, okay. Exactly. Like, fine. They, they hit you with the Monique move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I have one more uh, one more question I want to get off. Um, just so you talk, we talked about Marcus Dallin. Shout out to Marcus, as always. And you all are from the same ward, but you all haven't met each other. It's we not it's not so your sad. fault, you know, but even that's that's a black woman and a black man. What is the community like in D.C. amongst black women who are writers like is there a community is there a conversation going on sharing of resources and things of the similar to that i actually candidly had a conversation with my therapist about this because mm. i was like i feel like i'm the only i mean very spe- maybe this is too specific too because mm. i wanted to find another black dc native writing about dc like is that a lot maybe that's a lot to ask i don't know i feel like those are like minimal requirements those should be minimal minimal requirements but they're not i mean i mean i guess it just depends upon where that person is i mean mark is definitely he he his his content 
um, spans the, the 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 whole spectrum. You know, right. he, he definitely writes a lot of DC specific stuff, uh-huh. uh, whether it's you know socio political, socio economic, it was music related, as well as writing for for national um, outlets as well. Yeah, you know, so um, I really just think it just depends upon the person. I know I know a lot of black writers who do write nationally, and a lot of um, women of color in DC who write nationally, but not a lot of um, local writers. I, I don't know if you guys know the story about Sharnice um, Milton, yes. who was yeah, killed, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I had met her at a Christmas party, like the, the winter before she was killed. And mm-hmm. she was like a really, you know, DC native, hardworking, and, and she was gunned down, which is horrible. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't- And her, her murder's still unsolved. <laughs> yeah, it still is. And I've been trying to connect with other black female journalists from DC. So if there are any out there, I would love to connect with you because I don't want to be the only one. I don't think I'm the only one, I just don't. Like I've looked on Facebook groups and like everything trying to identify some because I want a circle, you it's know, e- It's writers. easy to live on an island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, this is the part of the show that uh, we switched, kind of switched gears over into random aside and that is the, uh, our 30 question sec, 30 random question segment where we ask guests just really just about anything. So. Are you ready? No, but we have to do it, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun, man. Can we get a ding, ding? Jack. Hey, shout out to our engineer, Jack, man. We forgot to shout him out yes, earlier. Yes, shout, shout out, out Jack Inslee. Shout out Full Service Radio. Also, what super up, engineer, up? super owner of Full Service Radio. Y'all got to keep tuning in. All right. So, first question. What's the flyest thing you've ever done? Uh, got married to the love of my life. Hey. Hey, shout out, hashtag black love, man. Shout out to Ham. I see you, Ham. All right, all right. Pick a superhero. Superwoman. Okay, take that. Describe your favorite food and beverage pairing. Sushi, any type of sushi, and a, the fruitiest cocktail I could get. Okay. You know, there's, there's Spicy actually tuna. There's a sushi shortage. Because of over, overfishing, well. you know, first world problems. We we just eat too much oh, of that man, shit. Yeah. So <laughs> the crab meat one is amazing too. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ill guy. Ill I and, love ill too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not on that wave yet. And, 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 and salmon sashimi. Salmon sashimi. You, I eat that all day. All right. Word. Describe life with Kanye West as president. Confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say less confusing than the current presidency, but still confusing nonetheless. Okay. All right. Shout out the Flex Bomb. <laughs> Name one thing you change about yourself. I want to build my confidence and self-esteem in writing. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Talk your rightful shit. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we don't do that enough. Go on. Next question. If you had to go on a 30-day culture fast, which of these could you give up? Travel, art, Fashion, being a foodie, or leisure reading? Art. Art? Yeah. Why art? Because since I don't write about art too much anymore, I don't consume it too much anymore. Okay. All right. So it's easy to give up. All right. Do you believe the producers of Family Feud secretly want to start a race war? Because of Steve Harvey being the... Nah, <laughs> because a lot of times you see the show, it's always the black family versus the uh, white family. Perhaps. I think- that cousin, <laughs> <laughs> you got that cousin who wear dress clothes ever with the oversized right, joint. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, man. Tell me about it, man. Shout out to him. All right. Modern medicine or natural remedies? 
I've been trying to get down with natural remedies lately. Yes, that's what I like to hear. You start with drinking more water. You know what I'm saying? We need more. It, it's the easiest way. Exactly. It's the easiest one to start. All right, if you were diagnosed with a rare disease and told the only way to live was to exercise five days a week, how long would you last? You just be dead? I might, <laughs> dropped her head. I like, might be. <laughs> I did yoga this morning, but before this morning, I hadn't done it in like two months, so... I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So you be dead. Yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name three places in your city to take a first time visitor. The first thing that came to mind um, is the Yellow House on Minnesota Avenue to get wings and mumbo sauce. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, maybe the National Museum of African American History, you get a ticket. And. Uh, I feel like this is super cliche, and I shouldn't be saying this, but bus boys. I mean, bus boys is. I mean, people people still look forward to coming yeah, to bus boys yeah. that haven't been. I, yeah. I know. Lots I think of it's good for a first timer. Okay, it's in that Marvin space, like people out of town who come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog. Super Mario. Okay, I appreciate that. How old were you when you realized Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy weren't real? I never believed in either. Good for you. My parents. <laughs> mm. How has your upbringing informed your life choices, good and bad? Um, I don't know. I think we talked about cursing earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, I was raised in a really Christian family, so... Okay. You know, not that cursing is bad or anything, but it's just certain things I don't do, and I try to be pure and all that type of stuff and godly. It's a struggle, though. It's a huge <laughs> struggle. Um, but that's what I'm trying to be about in life because of my upbringing. Okay. So. All right. Day parties or nightlife? Day parties. I'm too old for nightlife. Okay. I get, I'm, we're going to get some be young people on here. <laughs> I'm sorry. All, yeah. all, all the older folks like, day parties, day parties. Day parties, yeah. <laughs> I'll be out here. I'll do it for y'all. Yeah, man. You, you a rolling stone, man. Hey, man. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Describe your first air travel experience. I think I went to Boston in seventh grade uh-huh. for one day which was really weird it was like a dc public school trip but we didn't even spend a night or anything it was just like a, a, a one day thing and this is like random and weird so this girl kind of came on to me uh-huh. um on the plane and she tried <laughs> to kiss me this was seventh grade she, like, was, she was oh. part of your school yeah group? she was part of my school group okay uh, and yeah, she, this is when like all the girls in middle school were like coming out okay. of the closet and she was robot and she tried to kiss me because I can't go anywhere. Um, but I don't know. That's when I realized I wasn't gay, that I like men. That's okay. like a weird <laughs> first thing. Defining moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was pretty <laughs> aggressive, though. So that would turn off. That would probably turn off anybody. Then I can't go anywhere. All right. Name the last amazing album you heard. Probably Jay-Z's last album. 444? Yeah. Okay. You should check out our 444 episode. Okay. It's pretty good. We had Marcus Dowling on there as a oh, guest. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, My new best friend. Name. <laughs> hey, man. Y'all, y'all, like, you know, here with the eyes. Y'all just haven't looked each other in the eye yet. <laughs> All right. Name the best chicken spot anywhere. I love Maketo's chicken. Really? Yeah. On okay. The, uh, the, One the, of my favorites. The fried chicken and bread? Yeah. Okay. All right. You know he's got a uh, he's got two spots in here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I come here often. All right, Eric Bruno Yang would be happy to know that somebody shouted out him as the having the best chicken spot anywhere. My husband actually <laughs> proposed to me at Maketa. Like that's how much we love the chicken there. Wow. <laughs> that's how much we love Maketa. Like that's where he proposed to me. Okay. All right. It's it's serious. All right, we got to let Eric know about that. Uh, yeah, he was there. Yeah. <laughs> Name the one best and one worst character trait of your generation. One best, one worst. 
I think social media savvy is like the best in the world. Mm. Elaborate, please. I mean, it's cool that we're growing up in this age of technology, but it also takes away from like the face-to-face, you yeah. know, talks and meetings and like all that stuff that we used to, oh. you know, do when we were young before we had cell phones. Man, listen, I went, I went to the last two restaurants I went to. I just was observing people, friends, and not even dates, just you know, platonic friends, just yeah. the whole time on the phone. It's like y'all even, why y'all even come out? Right. <laughs> And I'm a victim of it, too. Like, the other day, I asked my husband if he saw what I posted on Instagram. And he was like, no, but I know what's happening in real life between <laughs> us, like, right now. And I'm like, yes. oh, true. That's okay. the age-old debate. Sh- shout, shout out to Ham for focusing on the present. Right? I saw yeah. the selfie happen in real life. You know, when you go to, like, close to bottle service, and then you see the girl, like, um, with the with the ill-ass don't, selfie. Don't get me started on nightlife selfies. But she was completely Please don't get by me started on nightclub Did she have a stick, or it was just... Nah, she didn't have a stick. Uh, Okay. And her caption thing. probably said it was popping, and it was like it's. Not she was entry level with it. She was she was mm. new to the game. You know what I'm saying? So, have you ever solved a Rubik's cube? And if so, how many tries did it take? No. No. Okay. Sorry. All right, we got to get a smart person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sweet or savory? Sweet. <laughs> okay. All right. This is the kicker. Oh shoot! Are you ready? Okay. All right. If you had 24 hours to live, just think. Okay. Where would you go? What would you do? Who would you screw? And who would you want to notify, or would you deny that you're about to die? We can repeat the question. <laughs> All that? Okay. Answer what you can remember. The first thing, I would probably be in denial, but then I would think about cuddling with my husband and my son until I like peacefully went on okay. to the other world. Okay. All right. I like that. That's real. Have you ever suffered from FOMO, fear of missing out? Um, Since we were talking about social media earlier. And- maybe. Yeah, I had my son almost a decade ago, and none of my other friends had kids. So mm-hmm. you know, I used to feel like they were going out, and I was in the house like raising a baby. Okay. So yeah. All right. Um, Jay Z's Dynasty intro or Meek Mill's Dreams and Nightmares intro? Uh, Jay Z, because I don't listen to Meek Mill's like, at all. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not a big music person. Hey man, we've been getting we've been some we've been getting the Dynasty intro since I introduced this segment. I appreciate By that default too. this time, but you know. It's all good. Man, it, it, you'd still like it better, okay. even listening to Meek Mill. <laughs> wow, wow. All right, what age do men and women become sexually fluent? Fluent, um, thirty. That's Word. a good. That's a good one. I, I can. What? I, I, I thought can, you were tripping out. So no, no, last no. no that, week was you know, that's too old. No, no. That no, thing, no, no, I think no, that's no, a good no. age because oh, okay. the first time, the first person they said twenty-two. I was like, yeah. nah, no way. <laughs> I don't think so, bruh. 30. Okay. Yeah. I think so. So you're not there yet. Are you there yet? I ain't peak yet. Uh, Next question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get... I ain't peak yet. You oh, <laughs> man. Okay. Definitely. Next, Next question. question. What gives you power? Writing. Okay. In what way? It's a way to give me a voice because I'm really introverted and I don't do things like this, like talking to people on the radio. You're, so you're, writing you're gives doing me power. But you're doing a great job. No you gas. You're doing really good. Okay. No gas. Thank you. Deadass, you are doing really good. See, now right. you're self-aware now, so you're going to be horrible for the rest of the interview. I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. <laughs> if you ruled the world and everything in it. Sky's the limit. What, I feel all my sons? Or you want to know yeah, what I'm <laughs> Man, I don't want you Can to finish. What? I, I, I don't. Yeah. 
I don't want people to finish the the question like that because we're gonna fill in the blanks, man. Man, okay, I might have to scratch. Nah, but keep that. All right. Welfare supporters. No conscious other way. Wait, raise, raise, raise our daughters. All right. You can, just, okay. you can use only one social media platform for the rest of your life. What is it? Instagram. Really? Yeah. Okay. As a writer? Yeah. I can write captions for it. Uh, True. Probably got really dope captions. Maybe. As a writer. Yeah. What is the name of the first person you kissed? Or if you even remember? Yeah. His name was Paul, and it was kindergarten. His name wasn't Paul. It was like Thomas. It was Paul. <laughs> it was Paul. All right. What does living my His best life mean Thomas. to you? Being able to work when I want to and stop when I want to. Facts. Okay. All right. Liberation. Independence or integrity? You know, integrity. Okay. Explain. Elaborate, please. I mean, I feel like that's a given. Like with my morals, I don't know. I feel like I would be a bad person if I didn't say integrity. A trait you should have. Fair enough. All right. And so you are guest number three to get through all 30 questions. <laughs> I might have to make these questions harder or something, man. They were hard. I mean, they're pretty good right now. We can yeah. just keep 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 tweaking stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, might, we might throw some new ones yeah, in there. I don't want balls. I don't want the listeners to be like, oh I know that one. I know that. Nah, 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 nah. We can't have that. Um, but I mean, so we pretty much at the end. Um, I got one question. Okay. All right, so just wrapping back around like your nonprofit that you started at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Was it Dream Life Inc. Yep. Right? Incorporated? Yep. Um, and, the, and the purpose of it was to help provide resources and agency to, to young mothers. Yes. Like, so um, what are some of your thoughts in terms of like um, resources in the current state of that today that's available for young mothers? And what would you say um, just as I don't even know if words of encouragement is the right thing to say, but. Um, towards that demographic since I know you care about that group immensely I mean I know of one organization called Generation Hope and they help teen moms get through college like all four years and I think that's a pretty amazing organization because education is important especially when you're raising a child Um, I mean I would just say to go after their dreams the thing about dream life is that the whole purpose was I was trying to tell these young moms to go after their dreams and they can still do it like no matter what happens to them and all these things but at the same time running a nonprofit, I wasn't going after my dream because my dream was always to be a journalist mm. and so now I know it's more important than ever to, to go after your dreams so I'm, I'm much I mean it sounds I don't know it sounds bad because the organization helped a lot of um, young moms and and all of those things but the purpose was you know encouraging you to go after your dreams and I did that so I know how important it is that I set dream life aside to become a journalist um so you know you can do it did you feel different on the inside when you did make that decision to what you truly wanted to do like what is that feeling like? it was liberating and it was I always I was good at nothing else like I wasn't good at math I wasn't good at science like all I was good during school was at writing so Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be a writer and I I really wanted to but you know with like Monty having a baby like all that stuff like I didn't know if it was going to happen and everybody loved dream life so much it was kind of hard to tell them that I was like stepping away from it Mm -hmm. but it's just something I had to do and Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I did because I love writing and like sharing the voices of teen moms or of you know people the river and like all that stuff like black people that otherwise wouldn't get told so okay. sounds good to me so Christina tell people where they can find you 
I have a cover story coming out hopefully this oh. Thursday uh, for the Washington City paper. Okay. And I have mm. another article. Everybody pick that up. In Washingtonian Magazine, the April edition. I have something coming out. And then I'm going to be freelancing for DCist again when it gets back up. And then I'm still, at, I'm still at City Lab and the Afro American newspaper. Yeah, I think that's about it. Okay. All right. For and now. what's your Twitter? C Sturdy, S E E S T U R D I. All right, cool. Well, thank you once again, Christina. We really appreciate you coming thank you. on. Really, Jack? Thank you. Really? Jack. <laughs> nah, keep that on loop, man. Just nah, man, nah, man. Turn that off. Thank you. You heard me. Haters, rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts, covering every topic imaginable if you want to be a guest or get involved email us at info at fullserviceradio.org follow us on twitter at full service rdo on instagram and facebook at full service radio thanks for listening